welcome to this podcast, recorded live at the Junction Church, Aberdeen. We pray this message inspires and encourages you. For more information, you can connect with us at www.thejunctionchurch.com. Thank you, Lord. We come into your presence with thanksgiving, Lord Jesus. In mighty name we pray, amen. Amen. Come on, give him a hand. Give the Lord Jesus a hand. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Well, um, this is this um, Friday. We were up in Inverness. There's a good group of Aberdeen um, that went up um, with um, with uh, to celebrate with them. There was a building opening there where and um, we're celebrating with the Inverness congregation moving into their building, getting everything kitted out and and all passing all the inspections and whatnot. And it was a great night. And um, we had um, um, Pastor Julian Melfi with us, who is the um, he's the head of the INC movement in the UK, and, um, and, it, and it really helped solidify what they're doing. And, and there's amazing support from the city. And, uh, and it's amazing how faithful Owen and Kate have been up there for 15 years, going 16 years, so 14 going 15. And, and, and the support that they have from the city and, and other ministers in the city, and I, I believe that about the church, that, that there's something about faithfulness that speaks volumes. We may be part of different churches or different denominations, but the fact that we stick with it, the fact that we stay there, stay in the game, just speaks volumes, and it's actually a bigger blessing to the city. And uh, it was really awesome um, to celebrate with them. And um, so we're continuing our Godspeed series. We're continuing our Godspeed series, and this is about slowing down to behold more of God. You know, like sometimes when I'm driving through the streets and, and, and I don't notice things, I'm just, I'm just kind of paying attention to other cars and my speed and all those sort of things. And then Heidi would say to me, oh, there's a cherry blossom tree or, or there, look at that and look at that along the road. And I'm not paying attention because I've got somewhere to go. But God in this place, in this season, is calling us to slow down to see how beautiful he's made this world, to see how beautiful he's made the people in all of our lives that there is beauty, so much beauty that we have to stop and behold. And then when you behold it, when you behold, when you say beauty is in the high of the beholder, you know your outlook changes when you take time to behold all that you have in your life. All the things that God has put in your life, he's put there on design as a blessing. God is a God who wants to bless you, who wants to prosper you, and, but it takes time to actually slow down and see how much he's actually blessed us with. We're continuing this morning, and I'm going to be speaking from the account of uh, Luke um, to chapter 24. Now, this is a story of where this is a story where disciples or two disciples is rocking down the road to this town called Mouse. And um, this, um, this has really been on my heart for a while when it came to the series. And uh, Luke 24 is um, Jesus, and let's just set a bit of context Jesus, he's ascended. You know, he's, he's resurrected and he's appeared to some people and now he's about to send a final message to his disciples before he goes um, off to heaven. Now, it says this, and I'm going to read from verse 44. Um, it's going to go up on the screens um, as well um, for you guys if you don't have um, your Bible with you as well. There's a Bible as big as this, by the way. <laughs> I mean, this is, a, this is the first Bible my, um, I, I like using this when I speak because it's actually a Bible my dad bought me. First Bible my dad bought me. And, um, and I only, I've only had it for a few years. And uh, why do you wait so long? Because, well, I wouldn't have accepted it before. So, um, 
So thanks, Dad. <laughs> and thank my mum who's here as well. She's 70 this year. And she doesn't look a day over 40. My goodness. So if anyone says I have good genes, it's because of my mum right there. And my dad, of course. <laughs> so verse 44, and it says, this is Jesus talking to his disciples. Now he says, oh, they are, these are the words which I spoke to you while I was still with you, that these things, all things must be fulfilled, which, the, which were written in the law and the prophets and Moses and the Psalms concerning me. And he opened their understanding that they might comprehend the scriptures. And he said to them, thus it is written, and thus it was necessary that the Christ to suffer and to rise from the dead the third day, and that repentance and remissions of sins should be preached in his name to all nations, beginning at Jerusalem. And you are witnesses of these things. Behold, I send the promise of my Father upon you, but tarry in the city of Jerusalem until you are endued with power from on high. And he led them out as far as Bethany, and lifted, he lifted up his hands and blessed them. Now it came to pass, while he blessed them, that he, part, he was parted from them and carried up to heaven. And they worshipped him and returned to Jerusalem with great joy and were continually in the temple praising and blessing God. Amen. Father God, we thank you, Lord, for your word. We thank you, Lord, that your death and your resurrection was not the end of the story. Lord, we come into your presence to hear what you want to say to us specifically, areas that you want us to go to, people you want us to reach, Lord, because this is now who we are. We are now living in the victory of your resurrection, of your ascension, God. And we thank you, Lord, that we are not alone, that you did not leave us orphans, Lord, but we are children of you, Lord God. And Lord, we go from this moment with that realization and appreciation. We now have a new lineage in you, God. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I'm going to talk around the subject that I've entitled this morning, The Road Less Traveled. The Road Less Traveled. You know when you go on holidays, you go on a journey and you get the sat-nav out? If you even have a sat-nav, I just use Google Maps now. I mean, why would you pay like 200 quid for a TomTom? But anyway when you can get for free on Google Maps. But, um, but when you go on to go somewhere, you kind of like, you negotiate the routes. You want to see what's shorter, what will get you there the quickest sort of time. And uh, years ago, um, I was on holiday with um, um, Heidi's family and Kevin, Cheryl and Joe and, and Josephine and Boaz as well. And we're in Cyprus. And uh, we're, we're going to, I've even forgotten where we're going because this journey was quite epic. And, um, and so we're going from one place to, we end up in the restaurant. But, um, and uh, Kevin, um, he... He, you know, that entire ground going. Um, and he, so there's two routes, and one was maybe shorter by about maybe as the crow flies, maybe a few minutes on the road. So we take that road, and then and then we get to a point where it stops being road, and it just becomes like farmland desert. And we kind of have to kind of watch the goats, which are by the wayside, just in case they want to kind of walk in front of our car. And so we're like, okay. So then we drive past these goats and. Didn't see a person in sight. There's castle ruins, so there might have been civilization there at some point. But but so then we get further down the road, and then then we find that this road has these massive potholes. Now, if you think Aberdeen has a pothole problem, you have not seen these potholes. These were like like sinkholes. Okay, Aberdeen probably has a sinkhole problem as well, but <laughs> but these are massive, right? And so then we're we're trying to navigate these. We're like doing a slalom run through this desert, trying to avoid these potholes. But then there was a point where we couldn't actually avoid them at all. So then it's like, okay, 
what potholes should we go through? So we had to choose our evils. We had to choose what we had to go through. So then, so then some of these potholes were really bad, even the good ones. So then, um, so a few of us got out of the car and we were just walking alongside trying to direct um, the drivers of the cars and then even in some cases grabbing boulders to fill the potholes so then we can drive around. And this was like maybe, maybe like at least a mile, I would say, but maybe even two miles of doing this, walking at this speed, all the while the midday sun beating down on us. And I don't, you know, like, you know, I'm, I'm from Africa originally, right? But I don't do well in heat. I don't burn, but I don't like the hot, like the heat. So I'm just like under a cap trying to keep the shade. <laughs> but but we're just walking in this sun. We're walking in this, um, in, this, in this just desert land, trying to fill these holes with rocks by the wayside. And then we finally get to where we're going. And I can honestly say it was the best meal I've ever had. Oh, goodness, it was so good. And it was just it was bar- best barbecue chicken and chips I've ever had, right? And, and, and I think the, the beer was really good just because it was cold. And, and, and that was, when we got there, I just found myself, ah. But then the thing that I saw, that in the distance, I saw there's a perfectly fine, paved, um, <laughs> cemented, tarred road that we could have gone on that would have taken us probably about a third of the time but we chose the road less traveled. We chose that way just because it looked a bit quicker in the onset. And uh, in, in this series, we're, we're talking about God's speed. Now, you know, these cars, they weren't, say, like the A-class cars, but they can do a lot more than an average of three miles an hour. But when we had to slow down to navigate these potholes, we were, we were walking at God's speed, probably even slower than that. It might have been like, I don't know, Michael or Gabriel speed, I don't know. But... Uh, <laughs> I do sense with me. Um, so we had to slow down to 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 navigate this. And, and the thing I was thinking about this series is that God's speed is actually achieved on the road less traveled. You know, and I don't know about you, but I've walked many roads in my life. I've walked the you know the primary school road. I've walked the making my friends laugh road. I've lived, walked the um party road, the trying to drink a lot road, the you know get a girlfriend road, the, the ministry road, the job road, the career road. I've walked all these roads and, and I found that while there's some sort of success, while there's some sort of profit to walking these roads, I didn't find that God's speed. I didn't find that place where I didn't have to want for anything. I didn't have to, mm, am I going to have enough today or, or that didn't deliver as what I thought it was going to deliver. In all these different roads, I found that there was still a lacking. But there's one road which is less walked. And this is this road that when we walk it, we find that there's fulfillment. We find that we're not asking all these questions. We're not doubting ourselves so much. We find that we're not, we're not going in limbo. We're not going from this thing to this thing and this fad to this fad. And this road is the road that we walk when like, we have just met with Jesus. Areas in your life where if you live like you have just met Jesus, you will find that there's a lot of questions you won't ask. You will find there's a lot of struggles that you won't think are hard. You will find there's a lot of sicknesses you will think are a big deal. You will find that a lot of career paths and, and things that happen at work, you will find that there's, these, these things don't actually stand in the presence when you understand that Jesus has met with you, the risen king. Now he, is, he said that he is your savior and Lord. Now when you see that, you think the rest of my life, 
What is hardship when I have just met Jesus? What is confusion when I have just met Jesus? What is doubt when I have just met Jesus, the maker of the, of the heavens and earth? What is that when I've just met Jesus? And in Luke 24, these guys, they're, well, they're in a bit of confusion. They, they've just, they've, they've met with Jesus or they've heard about Jesus being risen again, but they don't quite know, they haven't seen. And then they're walking the seven-mile journey, so... Three miles an hour, seven miles, about two and a third miles. Is that right by maths? I don't know. I'm not really caring. But, but at this speed, and they're, and they're depressed, they're down, and they're like, oh, we thought he was going to return the kingdom to Israel, and Jesus comes alongside them. They don't actually know it's Jesus. They don't recognize him. So he's just like, oh, so what's the problem? You know, when the scripture says that, and Jesus asking them a question like he doesn't know. <laughs> but that's just the way he does things sometimes. But like, they're saying, Have you, are you not, you're not the only person in Jerusalem who hasn't heard what's going on? He's just like, oh, what's going on? So then they tell him, like, oh, this guy, he's, he's supposed to do this, and, and he's dead. And now they think he's risen again, but no one's seen him. And then, then he begins to do this discourse of describing what the, the prophets and the Old Testament said about him. And then, then he stays um, the night with him, breaks bread, and then he vanishes from their sight. And then that's a moment where they click, oh, it's Jesus. And they're like, you know when you, you want to say something and the moment's passed and you're like, oh, it would have been so good. And I find this like, I find this like so many times. I'm on the phone with my mom and then I'm about to hang up and then I like, oh, wait, wait, mom, mom, mom. And then she's hung up. I'm like, oh. like, it's like one of those moments. And then I love this, what it says in, in Luke 24 and verse 32. And, and they said to another, uh, one another after Jesus vanished, and he said, they said to one another, did not our heart burn within us? while he talked with us on the road, and while he opened the scripture to us? Did not our heart burn within us? And I don't know about you, but I have to think about that, because sometimes I can get up and my heart doesn't burn in that same way. Where I'm, I'm living with this exuberance and passion, even though I'm just going to work like I did the previous day. And, and I'm just like, this, this heart burning. Like, and I'm convinced that that's the difference between, say, us being able to achieve God's speed and keep God's speed and pull people along with us on this journey than it is to just live our lives purposely and just flat. It's this burning in our heart and and it's like when we live with that burning heart, we will keep God's speed. And on God's speed, don't get us wrong. It's like we want us to slow down and to, and to achieve this, this almost like a homeostasis of how you can, sorry, fancy word, this sort, of, um, this sort of status of I'm not trying to strive for anything or I'm not lacking of anything. But this God's speed is not focused on external pace, but about kindling that internal fire. Kindling that internal fire, that our heart burns for the things of God. Our heart burns for the people out there. Our heart burns for our families. Our heart burns to see God's kingdom come. Our heart burns to see people healed, set free, delivered. Our heart burns to see see a city worshipping God. Our heart burns. Our heart has to burn for that because if it doesn't burn, then we're going to think it's not attainable for us, for for the generals of faith of yesterday, but not for today. When our heart burns, that is when we keep God's speed. That kindling in our heart, that 
people see us and there's something immediately different about us. There's something immediately different like, oh, there's something about you, a quality about your life, a passion and a zeal that's in your life that I'm not getting from the pub or I'm not getting from the career ladder. There's something that's different about a believer, about you and I, when our heart burns for Jesus. There's a, we react a different way. We, we praise a different way. We pray different ways. We, we walk our lives and family lives a different way because of this fire that's in our heart. Like when we live, we have just met Jesus. <laughs> like, and I've, you know, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a communicator. I know this, this thing quite well, you know, like half a book maybe. And it's like sometimes we can get so smart in our own ways that we diminish and dwindle the fire that God wants to stoke inside us. We can become so experienced that we're no eternal good. We become so, so, so familiar with the principles of worship and when to raise your hands and what words to speak and when to elevate your voice when you're doing a message. And it's like we can get so familiar with these things that we forget that it's Jesus Christ who died for the sins of mankind. He is the God that we're here. He is why we're here. There's no other reason to be here. It's Jesus. He is everything. And if he's everything, then that changes everything. Oh, we be a church with a, with a heart on fire for the things of God, a heart on fire for our neighbors, a heart on fire to see people delivered from their bondages. Oh, that we would be that church. To keep that Godspeed where our lives are not just routine, but we're walking at the pace, and we're being in the place where God wants us to be. To kindle that fire too, to walk in that love, that our heart burns, <laughs> that our heart would burn, that our heart would be like, wow, I just, you know, that's like when your heart burns, the, the lens and your, your, your worldview just, it just brightens up. Like people would think, oh, like we would say to new Christians when their heart is burning, they kind of make us look like, oh, we're a bit timid in our faith, but they just step out and it's like, well, we would say to them, you need to grow up or you're a bit naive or you need to see the real world. Like the real world is supposed to be negative. The real world, the world that God made, it was meant to be glorious. And people that just meet Jesus see that because of what they've, they've experienced in their own life, they know that if God can do that in me, he can do it in anyone's life. And then they enter into this place where they know who God is and they know what he can do. So in the next, in the scriptures I read out earlier, we're going to discover how we can kindle that fire and keep it burning. And we can maintain this Godspeed. Are we ready to, to journey this morning? The first thing is, is revelation. To kindle the fire in your heart, you need revelation. We, we can't do this without revelation. Jesus said in verse 45, he said about Jesus, he opened up their understanding that they might comprehend. As in Jesus, he opened up their understanding that they might comprehend the scriptures. And, and, and let, me, let me tell you this, right? You can't live beyond the level of your revelation. You, you can't live beyond the level of your revelation. What is revelation to me or to Cheryl is not revelation for everyone. We don't have to walk the same paths. We're walking the paths that we're walking because we're faithful to revelation God has revealed to us. 
But there are dozens of paths in here. There are dozens of levels of revelation in here. That is for you. That's for your walk with God. It's for your relationship with God. We can encourage you with ours, but the, the, but the, the point is for you to get yours. And, and, this, and this is the joy that Jesus wants to reveal himself to you. He wants to walk this road with you. He wants to lead you in paths of righteousness. Yes, it says that in Psalm 23, but he always, that's what his, his whole point of coming to earth was to do. So that he can walk with us. So he can show who God is to us and what God can do through us. This path of revelation, this is divine insight. This is when, when something that was always there becomes revealed to you. It's like when you're trying to find your keys or you're, and you're, you're running around and you're stressing, and then you realize they were always there. It was always on your pocket, in, the, in your pocket the whole time. It's just like, ah, okay, now it can go on. But sometimes we don't think about how the relationship with God. We just go on without seeking him first. God, what are you saying in this, in this time? And God is always speaking. I think it was Lynn or somebody who said it earlier on, that God is always speaking, but the point is whether we're seeking him for that revelation. Because there's divine revelation that's open to everyone. And, and, and this, is, this is not, let me just say this right, it's, it's not about intellectual assent to, to, to you know, you can, it's a scriptural gift to have words of wisdom, but to be wise is not a way to be more holy necessarily. There is a way that God wants to reveal to you that is something for you, for your walk with God. The revelation that he wants to give you is personal to you. And this is done not through natural means, not through reading a book necessarily, but through spending time with him, walking on that road with him. And as you walk this road, be it seven miles, be it 17 miles, he will reveal himself to you. God will walk with you to reveal himself to you. Whatever situation it is, whatever place you're in, when you walk with God, he'll reveal himself to you. This is revelation. And it's his joy to reveal the Father to you. It's his joy to bless you with divine insight. It's his joy to bless you wherever you are, wherever your struggle is, whatever relationship you are trying to find breakthrough in. It's his joy to deliver that to you. Through divine revelation. And the next is to kindle that fire. We need reason. We need reason. And, uh, and this, is, this is a big thing because I've seen many people do great things but not last. You know, we do red frogs and we've been doing red frogs for about nine years through this church. And every year, after every year, I, am, I meet with the the heads of the universities give feedback and hear how we're doing and how we can better improve what we do. And um, one of, the, one of the, um, the guys, he said to us, well, there's many people that have come alongside us to try and do what you do, but you have remained. Because there's more to doing the life of God than just good ideas. You have to have a divine reason. Red Frogs has a divine reason. I, I believe that we'll be the face of student support in, in the city of Aberdeen. That when people think their student life, they'll think of Red Frogs. That's why we do what we do. But we have to have a strong reason because here's the thing. If your why is not clear, then the what you do becomes negotiable. 
if why you stay fit is not a strong enough reason, then you'll, you, you might say come March time, April time, think, yeah, I can probably do better things with my money. <laughs> and I'm using a playful example, but what about, what about our relationships? To love my, if, if I'm loving my wife just because the Bible says so, I'm going to need something a bit better than that. Because when times, when times want, to, want to change and when seasons change and my mood changes, then that's not always going to be the strongest response. I have to have something, a better reason than just because something says to do it. Why to love our neighbor? Because God says, well, there's, there's something that has to be stronger than that. Do you know why we do it? This is in, um, in verse 46. Jesus says this. He says, and thus it was written, and thus it was necessary for the Christ to suffer and to rise from the dead the third day. Like there it is. It was necessary for the Christ to suffer and to rise from the, the dead the third day. So bit of context, back, bit backpedaling a bit. He was saying to them, that they were mourning because he died and then he, they were just dis- upset about that. But now he's saying, no, this was, there was a purpose behind me going to the cross. There was a purpose behind what I did. And the purpose why we are here and why this isn't just you know, a collection of thoughts or a nice talk or some good songs, that this is because this actually happened. This was an event. This is something that actually happened and it shook the fabric of time. It shook the world. It shook the world because finally now there was now a payment for the penalty of sin. That, that, that when we separated our ways from God because of, because of our disobedience, our nature, there was now a payment. There was now a payment, a transaction that was made that we no longer have to make any transactions of our own blood or our own body. Now when he rose again, we are resurrected to this new life. Now when we believe in him, we are placed with him in Christ, seated with him in heavenly places. And he's left us with a mandate and a love that's so big that cannot be contained to these four walls. It can't be contained to just head knowledge. It has to come from our lips. It has to come through our hands. And what we do, what we give, what we say and the people we love is an overflow of the resurrection power of the God who loved us so much that he died on a cross to take our sin, to take our shame, that we would now be righteous with him. This is why we do what we do. And this why is the overarching why of why we, we ever want to do a service or two or three services or, or reach people with the gospels because this love is a love that's not just a good idea. This is a love that saved the world. This is a love that changes eternities. This is a love that washes sins. This is a love that just says what I was before, I am now no longer because of the love of Jesus. This is a love that is too big to stay with us. Like, I encourage you, if this is your why, you'll go far. If this is your why, you will stay at the speed that you need to be. Speak at the speed you need to speak. You will walk at the speed you need to walk in. <laughs> and uh, I, I find it funny that I, like, the, the weeks and stuff that where I have to, to do talks or whatever, I find that when it comes to me preparing messages, I find that they're the times when, when I get interrupted the most. When when pads interject and I speak to people, like uh, yesterday there was a, um, a mom, mother's group upstairs, actually, um, using the church. And then I go in to see how they're doing. And actually, it's, uh, it's people that I grew up with. I actually had no idea. So I was chatting to them for a few hours, and it's just like, I just had no idea. So then that's when I was thinking, okay, I'm going to get back to message prep or whatever. But then, then there's somebody that I've known for, well, I'm 13. He's a year younger than me. So that sort of length of time. And we're just chatting, catching up. 
And then there's this, there's this exchange of, I'm not lording my own schedule over this person's need for a connection. And I've found that so often that now I don't really care about putting time into this sort of stuff as much as I do with con- connecting with the people that God's put in my path to love. And that's the reason, because God interrupted time. He interrupted space for me and for all of us. So what is an hour of conversation? What is 10 years of faithful relationship? What is coming to church on a Sunday to celebrate each other's breakthroughs and to pray for each other's sicknesses? What is that when it compares to the great love of God, which gives us eternity? There's no comparison. So you need reason. You also need a response. Because the gospel will be preached. Scripture says in Matthew that the rocks will praise if we don't. There's a response to the grandeur of God. There's a response to the creative nature of God. That, that something has to happen. That something has to shift. There's, there's a response. And in verse 47, he goes on after saying that it was necessary for him to die. And that repentance and remission of sins should be preached in his name to all nations. Our lives should be lived in a way where there's, it, it leads the way to a response. But then we have to be ready for that, what that response is to be. Just because I meet with somebody doesn't mean that they will be immediately hit with the glory of God. It doesn't always happen like that. But what it will do is we will be like, like an aroma that says, there's something, there's something different about you. You have a different vibe. There's something, something on you that is at least piques interest. There's a bit of intrigue there. So if you're rushing past someone, you don't always get the scent, do you? But sometimes you do, right? <laughs> Depends how much they put on. But, but, but as you walk slowly, engage, interact, and there's a transference. There's a peace about you. There's, you know, there's, you know, we work together. We're, we're doing the same hours, but you don't react the way I do. What is that? Response that we all have is that we, we respond to what God has done to us, and then that permeates through our lives. But then to keep this fire burning, we have to continually respond to God that we never get to the point where we've graduated beyond the need for the gospel. We've graduated beyond the need to say um, prayers or to read scriptures or to, you know, to love our neighbor. We, where we don't, aren't so intellectual and educated and experienced that we think that the gospel has lost its power, that the gospel is for my salvation. The gospel is for our continual deliverance, by the way. Where we respond to God, and as we respond to God, this exchange takes place where we go from strength to strength, from glory to glory, as we respond to God. And we all have an opportunity to respond to God. There's no such thing as God died for the sins of the all mankind. All mankind, get this, all mankind, the person that's mean to you, the person that's indifferent, all of us, everyone, have that opportunity to respond to God. 
God isn't favoring others over others. He's not like that. He shows no partiality. He, he gives everyone the opportunity to respond to him. No matter, and it's not about your behavior. It's about your response to Jesus. When he says, I forgive you. I love you. I want to lead you this way. Will you walk with me? That's a response. Will we engage in a moment where something may be demanded of us? That is a response. And that is when we keep that fire burning. You ever found that there's a thing called momentum? If I had to step here, where my weight is going, that will take me forward. But I have to commit to the step. You see, if I'm just going to be here, and I'm just thinking, oh, it's a good idea to love my neighbor. It's a good idea to pray. But I don't transfer the weight, so I'm still down here. Transferring the weight takes us forward. Transforming the weight gives us that response. Transforming the weight gives that exchange where now we're not living in our strength. We're in God's strength because I'm walking as he's called me to walk. Respond and then the fire keeps burning. Respond and you'll keep at God's speed. Respond and you'll find that you're in a slip steam of grace. And as the band comes and joins me, we respond to God and we are positioned in a place where we are beacons, where we are an avenue of God's love and power. He's also called us to remain. To remain, to, to linger, to, to stay, to be positioned for a great move. Verse 49. Behold, I send the promise of my Father upon you. But tarry, or wait longer than intended. When you've got a busy schedule, and you've got your calendar full and colorful like mine sometimes. Wait longer than intended in the city of Jerusalem until you are endued with power from on high. You know, I am... months ago I had a conversation with one of uh, somebody I used to lead in the youth actually and uh, quite fond of him and a really great guy he he, um, doesn't come to church and stuff anymore but I I occasionally meet up and catch up with him and uh, he's talking to me about you know his struggles and the things that he's gone through it just came to me and I I hadn't asked him this before and I even thought it might have been, been silly to ask this but I said you've been baptized in the Holy Spirit? He said, I've heard of baptism in the Holy Spirit. Heart just broke for him. Because you can't do this life without the power of the Holy Spirit. You, you can't live a holy life in your own strength. You'll be frustrated and you will give up. Because it's impossible. And that's the point. It is impossible. But not with God. Not with God ushering you, not with God empowering you, not with God loving through you. You need the power of the Holy Spirit. You can't do this life without the power of the Holy Spirit. You'll find yourself yourselves get ill, you'll get depressed, you will get frustrated, angry, agitated, doubt yourself, doubt God, but it's not, it's not a problem with, with God. It's a problem with us n- not relying on Him. You need the power of the Holy Spirit. And it's like how um, 
something that I was thinking of like you know, a match of the day where um, sometimes we see the goals being scored. But then match of the day, sometimes they, they backpedal and they circle a person that scores. And then they're in somewhere completely different. And then you watch their movements and you think, it's not going to happen. They're not, they're not in any place of significance. But then the last few seconds, then they're in the place, then they touch the ball, then they score, and then there's a goal. It's like that with the Holy Spirit. Sometimes you think, waiting, nothing's happening. Sometimes it takes as much oil to wait as it does to work. You think, I'm praying, nothing's happening. But you could be positioning yourself for a move that you don't see coming yet. But you need the power of the Holy Spirit to stay with the game, to stay in play, to stay where you can actually get the ball. You're not, you're not, just because you don't see anything yet doesn't mean you won't see anything. There's a point where you will be filled with power from on high for that moment. You just stay the course, stay the course, and you will receive that channel, that outflow of what God wants to pour in through your life. Stay with it. It takes as much oil as it does to work as it does to wait. To wait longer than normal. And, you know, there's probably not more of a clerical sort of task, vision, strategist mind than here. I'm always, I'm not even thinking about this match. I'm thinking about next week already. But there's times when you just have to think about this moment here. Think about God right here. Got things that we're worried about tomorrow and next year and the next year, but God right here. Here am I. Stand in this place. Thanks for joining with us. For more information about events, service times, and how to connect with us, visit www.thejunctionchurch.com.